Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hello and welcome to uh, What's the Crack uh, Lisbon Addictions Conference, which is the second European conference on addictive behaviours and dependencies. Incredibly sunny, a wonderful place to be at the moment. Um, so we're gonna, we're just gonna try and summarise some of the more exciting things that we've seen, um, and um, I hope that will be fun. But we don't have the, the usual what's the crack podcasters because Lindsay's in Australia and Elle is in Canada, and uh, we're in Lisbon. And with me today are Sadie Boniface, uh, Anna Miranda, and Katie East. We're all from uh, King's College London. Um, and we're all staying in Barrow Alto. Um, and so, do you want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Yeah, I'm Sadie. I'm a postdoc, and I work on alcohol. Hi, I'm Anna. I'm a PhD student, um, focused on continuous management. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm a second year PhD student, um, looking at smoking and e-cigarettes in young people. Fantastic. Um, and I'm Rob. I said that. I'm. I'm still Rob. Um, okay, so should we start with, so yesterday, so today is the end of Wednesday, yesterday was uh, Tuesday, the first day of the conference. I, I had one yesterday, one of my favourite um, titles of a session, here it is, so this was, this was my favourite title, which was Mind Reading Impairment in Crack Cocaine Users, an fMRI study in the moderator effect of early life stress. So I went to this, uh, this whole uh, session which was on um, social cognition and how that interacts with substance misuse and, and this particular talk was talking about was positing the idea that people who use crack cocaine were less able to mind read than people who, uh, who don't use crack cocaine, um, which yeah made me make that face too, Katie. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> if, if you can't see, I'm frowning my eyebrows and squinting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there's a room full of people doing that. But I think that was a translation thing. That was, it was actually quite a, it, it was quite an interesting whole session. It was talking about. So they they tested people who use drugs. So some of the studies were on people, um, alcoholics or people who use um, alcohol dependent um, and crack cocaine users, um, and they scored lower on being able to kind of understand other people's emotions. So they showed them lots of faces, some of which were angry and sad and frustrated, and they had to identify the emotion. And, and these people who problematically use substances were less able to do that than people who didn't. And so they were looking at this interaction. It was just um, an association, uh, which, was, which was really interesting. Um, but I think the predominant thinking there was whether the neurotoxic, so particularly some stimulants, harmed the brain. So they kind of you know, killed neurons and things like that. 
Um, and certainly things like alcohol are quite harmful to the brain. We have uh, things like Korsakoff's disease and, and early dementia associated with alcohol. So I think people are really going for that, um, that approach. But, um, and then this linked into something I saw this afternoon. They weren't really looking at perhaps associations with people who are less able to understand social cues, so people with, say, things like autism spectrum disorder, and whether there's um, people with things like autism are more likely to develop substance misuse problems, which there is, you know, there, some studies have found those associations. And so it's, it's always really interesting when you get these correlations, it's like, right, okay, people who smoke crack are worse at spotting emotions, therefore crack destroys your ability to spot, uh, spot emotions, but whether actually it's that people who have difficulty managing emotions are more likely to kind of almost self-medicate with substances and, and, and not be able to kind of emotionally ask for help, things like that, kind of those kinds yeah. of moderators. So that, that was my interesting one from yesterday. Susan Mickey spoke a bit before, Robert West, talking about the, what's it called, the beha human behaviour change? Oh, behaviour change model. Um, where they're trying to use like artificial intelligence and like algorithms to basically like pull results from loads of different sources, like studies yeah. together. Like it's almost doing all the systematic reviews for yeah. you, which is really ambitious, and I don't understand at all how it works. But and we're all not going to have jobs in the future. Yeah, our jobs are going to be done by robots. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what? Me not at this uh, one. No, I missed this one. So artificial intelligence. It's, re it's I, They are doing this massive thing. They're using artificial intelligence and machine learning to try and bring together the findings of all different bits of behaviour change research. But I think the idea is that it could be, you know, you could start with interventions to reduce smoking, but then it could eventually be done with anything. I didn't go too much on day one, so I was stressing. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? So day two was my big one. Rebecca presentation, and she was... Brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's Rebecca's so one yesterday yeah. was really good. Rebecca McDonald. Yes. yes. Um, and what did you like about that, Anna? Um, everything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. Um, it's it's a very interesting topic, and um, I like the way she. I, I don't know. It's it's. I think when I saw Katie yesterday presenting and. And uh, Rebecca, it's, I, I don't know. It's nice to see someone yeah. from our department, like like doing a PhD as us, and yeah. Yeah. And so what was she presenting on? Was that on naloxone? Yes, yeah, nasal spray for okay. naloxone. I guess her talks is very good because she's it's a very easy concept to grasp, but like the outcome is like it's very easy. It's very easy to explain to lay people, and then also to go into the technical mm. details for those who need it. So um, and naloxone for those. Um, for those listeners who, uh, I mean, having really uh, backed yourself into a corner saying it's really easy to explain for <laughs> 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 yeah, It's really easy for her to explain. <laughs> um, oh God, what is it? It's a, it's a, it's a magic drug it's to a reverse magic drug. Yes. Yeah. So if you go into respiratory depression, it brings you out of it. It's most popular. The most popular um, illustration people use is the Pulp Fiction thing, where yeah. Um, yeah. where they put the syringe through the breastplate and she comes back from her heroin uh, Uma Thurman comes yeah. back from a heroin yeah. overdose um, it's not like that in real life but it's a good illustration <laughs> yeah. and she's trying to develop that so you no longer have to inject people into mm. the heart you can just use a nasal spray mm. 
So and it's and it's cheaper. Like, I mean, you don't need to train them. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can have it at home. Yeah, exactly. So it's brilliant. I enjoy hearing John try and speak. He speaks very well, but I enjoy it particularly when he makes these interventions um, today. Uh, so there's lots of things about cost within naloxone. So uh, you know, it's this thing that can bring people around from overdose. It, it can save lives, but it does cost money. And and he always says, you know, we shouldn't collude with this idea that people who use drugs are less worthy of these medical interventions than people who say for example have diabetes or have um, uh, kind of need EpiPens for, for severe allergies. They are citizens of our countries and they, they deserve medication that can um, save their lives or prevent their deaths. Um, and you know I think it's really it's really uh, it's really nice to hear people speaking that kind of uh, that kind of passion and just you know there's so much stigma towards people who use drugs and actually we do I think as an industry a lot of people do kind of collude that with saying well it's going to be difficult to get through because it's not popular so no, you shouldn't collude, collude, shouldn't collude with those things we should say well you know, why isn't this popular and we shouldn't allow this to not be popular these are these are equally deserving people in our society mm. so yeah so, so Rebecca spoke well yes I learnt something from the alcohol world yesterday and today which is that usually people use like quite complicated diagnostic kind of questionnaires to identify dependence and some of them are quite long, it takes a long time or the questions mm. are a bit culturally specific and stuff like that. Um, but increasingly there's work being done that shows that just measuring heavy drinking or heavy use over a, an extended period of time is just as good at predicting the brain changes that are associated with like alcohol problems and just as good at predicting like other kind of worse outcomes from drinking as well. And I really like that. We talked some like a bit about some of the more complex stuff that we've seen, like Mendelian randomization and stuff like that. But this was like a really nice simple it the talk? simple thing. Jürgen Rehm, another raindrop raindrop <laughs> raindrop <laughs> another raindrop who's um, been like working in the field of alcohol for a really long time. So yeah. Um, so, so what did they monitor? Um, so, how did they monitor people's alcohol use? Is it like kind of self-report? Was it a, a survey? What? Yeah, self-report. I think mainly in um, uh, I don't know if it's primary care, but in like a clinical kind of setting. Okay. Because it's people that are who are drinking too much. So, not from general population surveys kind of thing, but if like consistently over time identifying that is just as good a predictor as using these like more complicated measures and asking people about financial problems and the effect it's had on your family and uh, all of this stuff and it's quite stigmatizing and then it puts yeah. it more on a more on a continuum of like most people drink and then this is heavy use rather than like like alcohol abuse and not alcohol dependent yeah. and not which is um they're arguing is less stigmatizing but i just like this quite simple way to measure yeah i do i do love hearing uh, i love hearing stories, stories like that actually um, I remember someone gave a presentation a few years ago that I listened to. I think it was on alcohol, it was on auditsy or something. It was on part of this history of um, of diagnostic tools. And it was one of those things that they started off with, like, you know, you start off with a questionnaire with a hundred questions on it. And it really accurately identifies people who um, are dependent on alcohol. And then they check those results against a questionnaire with 20 questions and it's just as good. And they check that against a questionnaire with five questions and it's just as good. And then they check that five question questionnaire against the question, which is, do you think you've got an alcohol problem? It's, and it's almost as good. And it's this kind of whole, you know, you, I love the idea that you can spend 
10, 15 years of, of research finding out that if you ask people if they've got a problem with alcohol, you usually get the right answer. Um, and I've, I've grossly oversimplified for the purposes of my story, but um, I, I do love that kind of that kind of research that gets to the point of saying, well, actually... Yeah, I like that. That's come from like people's whole careers, and now they're kind of going, ah, heavy use over time. Let's just do Forget all this WHO, like long lists of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great thing to achieve. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Is there anything else on day one? Well, I went to see um, the paper session chaired by Anne McNeil. Um, mm, yes. The one about therapy for nicotine addiction. Yeah, it was interesting as well. Okay. There was one... Um, Another name drop. So Anne McNeil. Yes. 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 yes, Professor Anne McNeil. Uh, so yes, it was um, an interesting contingency management intervention for cigarette smokers with depression. This was a trial about... Um, they found that for people with uh, depression, it was harder to the, for them to, to quit smoking. So, so basically, they they did um, they 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 did this trial where they were using behavioral activation and, and also psychotherapeutic approaches. But also, but they include uh, a voucher to attend the sessions and if they were to 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 reinforce uh, that the participants were in abstinence. Okay, so like a, like a Tesco voucher or. Something. Exactly. So they come back, they get a voucher. Exactly. Every time that they target the behavior that it was, that they achieve the, the behavior that it was targeted. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It, this was in Spain, and and I think, I don't know, um, in Europe it's it's nowadays more common. I mean, to there there is like a kind of a new in, interest. In, in developing in continuous management interventions and mm. it's good to know that in Spain also they are mm. doing some of them with good results. Fantastic. And uh, so a lot of your studies on contingency management, um, Anna, um, and it's quite, it, it can be a quite a controversial subject, can't it? It um, is. So, so, so why, do, why, why are people, uh, why, like is it it? Why, yeah, why don't people like contingency management? It seems to get good yes. results. Yes, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, the main thing is like <laughs> people 
when you think about giving money to people to in order to improve or to increase their motivation to do something it's quite I don't know I mean it works it's easy to accept probably in the US but here in Europe um, they are like the clinical staff usually has a lot of I don't know um, issues ethical issues about it <laughs> do, do you think people would just enter a contingency management program so that they could get money so say if you were homeless on the street and you wanted money could you enter a contingency management program get some money and then and then stop yeah i mean i, I one of the one of the the, okay. the fears the, the fears is, is like that that basically the people can use the money to if they don't have an aim of quitting, they just want to enter a contingency management program yeah. and comply with it. Well, um, I think I think that's really interesting because I think you get this massive oversimplification, um, um, and I, I, th I think you're right. I think that's people's concerns: is that like these ne'er do well drug users are going to use it to get twenty quid off the state, mm. um, and. And that is part of the attraction for some people, but it's, you know, motivation changes. So the reason you start might be to get 20 quid, but actually once you've been back to a place three or four times a week for um, a few weeks, you start to know people and your motivation changes. You have that opportunity to help people develop the reasons why they, wa they want to change. Um, and so I think, you know, this, this idea that people have very pure motivations, they're going to enter into treatment for three months, take a whole load of 20 quids and run off laughing into the sunset. Isn't um, very feasible. Wow. Yeah, it's, well, it's part of that demonisation again, I guess. Um, yeah. Because I wonder how controversial it would be if this was being done to incentivise participation in the, like exercise programmes or yes. yeah. like other, other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's one thing. Like, I mean, uh, if you give financial incentives to substance users, why not to? I don't know. Why? Why? Why is better to 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 use that money on that instead of I don't know to help uh, young mothers? I don't know, like uh, young people. Something that pulls at the heart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> people have have puppies. Why, why we are like like giving money to to participants who can use it for something that is not good or not yeah. I think yeah. there's quite a lot of controversy about it. Yeah, and it does it does kind of it does pull. I mean, it's a bit in that same way that that uh, that people feel more comfortable giving ten pounds to um, a puppy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No one's comfortable giving ten pounds <laughs> to a puppy. Yeah. Uh, they don't even. Yeah, it doesn't. They, you, you kind of get more comfortable giving ten pounds to somewhere like shelter than giving ten pounds to someone on the oh, street yeah. who's begging. And people feel more comfortable about giving something that will help provide treatment that isn't money than giving actual money, even if that actual money will be more effective in, in supporting them. Um, and I think it, this is the idea that in contingency management, giving people financial incentives is more effective than using that money um, mm. to provide support in a kind of, in, mm. in another way. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting. Is it, is, it always, is it always vouchers though? Do you ever give no, actual no, no. money? There, actually, there are many papers that are, uh, there are many studies that they're trying to see if giving vouchers is better in comparing comparing with giving them cash or but actually I mean it seems like in many of these studies uh, people actually respond well to cash respond exactly yeah. the same way than vouchers some people use vouchers on so if you were to give them a £10 voucher could they then spend that on a bottle of rum in Tesco yeah they can mm. but they don't like that's okay. the interesting yeah. thing usually yeah. I mean I mean the 
there have been many studies using cash where where they can do that, and but they have they still have good results. Yeah. I think in the Adam trial that we have in the department, it's like given as a gift card, like a plastic card, yes. and I think there's a sticker on it that says this shouldn't be used to buy exactly. alcohol or cigarettes. The vouchers are some people they have, choose yeah. to do it that way. Other people just decide to let people have free choice. But yeah, okay. what so so is it an active restriction that they can't use it, or is it more like a suggestion? That they shouldn't use no, it. No, no, it's like a suggestion the to the retailer. Like, yes. don't, if they're trying to buy fat okay, again, don't say no. But okay. I don't know if it's. No, but actually, them. yes, you can You can give them like vouchers to that you can use only in, at Argos, for example, mm. where they don't sell alcohol. Okay. I mean, you can, you can be, you can be, you can, you can be more protective in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I think it, I remember talking to clients when I, when I used to work in drug treatment centers and we, talk, we talked to people about, about similar issues. And there were people who were um, you know, raising and spending large amounts of money every week, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred pounds uh, a week um, through crime and, and spending that on, on drug use. Um, and it didn't seem like real money. It was just, it was just kind of part of this mm. churn, part of this overall churn. So they get, you know, they're getting through, say, three hundred pounds a week and it's all part of this churn. Um, and then they would earn... Uh, 20 pounds um, by volunteering somewhere or by participating in continuous time, so something they'd actually worked really hard to get. And that 20 pounds was so much more valuable that would it wouldn't get incorporated into this churn, even though that 20 pounds was far less in monetary value than the 300 pounds they might be might have been raising and spending. It had a much greater value to them, they would kind of keep it to one side and actually spend it on something that was positive for them and that they used. I always found that really interesting that the same piece of money has a has a different value depending on where it came yeah. from. Yeah, that's really interesting. And what it represents for people. I know in, yeah, exactly. in that trial they talked about people um, who oh what what do you save them what's the money for you're saving up because in the Adam trial it can be up to 120 pounds I yeah. think um, and they're saying oh what's it what are you saving up for oh I'm gonna take my kids to the zoo I'm gonna yeah. go away yeah, on holiday really and yeah. stuff like that there's. Mm. I don't know if that's part of yeah. the intervention or not. But. It's interesting yeah. because, for example, um, usually one of the one of the uh, most important things when you are doing a continuous management intervention is like you should reinforce participants at exactly the same moment when they when they achieve the the behavior. Mm. So, but for example, the service users group uh, who help a lot in the department uh, when you I don't know. Um, to design studies, or if you, they 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 recommended for the Adam trial to to de, to do it in a way like more meaningful. I mean that they think that it's not for them. It wouldn't be that important to have the money immediately, but it would be more important to to know that it would be at the end and it would be like a like it could be like a like a like a more significant achievement and saving up. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting. I yeah. mean, there's what you ask to the people, like what actually it's better for them. It's not necessarily similar than what the the theory said about it. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. I, um, I, I have something to add to what I learnt yesterday. Uh huh. E M C D D A. The or European. EMC, Monitoring Centre of Drug and 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 that it's very important. Can you explain? Mm -hmm. It's based in Lisbon, 
Okay. I think they have a nice office. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard people say they don't like to work there, so I think they must have quite nice offices in Lisbon. What does it stand European for? Monitoring Centre for Drugs and Drug Addiction or something like that. What's um, Sounds Yeah, sounds yeah lots of them are here. Lots okay. of people that work there are here. Yeah. I think they helped organise it. They, they yeah. put out an awful lot of documents about um, uh, monitoring drug trends across Europe, so mm. lots of things like um, the amount of new... Uh, new drugs that appear on the scene every day, um, every week. Uh, so these novel psychoactive substances. So they, they keep an eye out for these things and publish those findings, as well as as well as lots of other interesting work. Okay, so that um, that was our um, podcast from uh, day one of the uh, Lisbon's Addiction Conference, LX Addiction it was 2017. Only, it was only day one, actually, wasn't it? That's day one, um, uh, and uh, join us. Uh, for the next podcast um, which we'll cover day two okay thanks bye bye, bye. worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum think again meet eufy x10 pro omni robot vacuum with ai powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects it's the winner of five best of ces awards and digital trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best-in-class, all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.